So yes, our smaller saints are four to eight years old. Nine-year-olds sneak in every once in a while. And then we have a nursery downstairs if you have need of it from zero to four or three-ish, I guess. I want to read the account today um, in John. And uh, we'll start in 19 and, and at verse 17, and it's good to hear it from the word. John 19, 17, and we'll read, okay? Here's the account of what they did to Jesus. 17 in chapter 19 of the Gospel of John. And he, Jesus, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross and writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, in Greek, and in Latin. Therefore the chief priests of the Jews and said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. But Pilate answered and said, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to each shoulder apart. And also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam and woven from, top, from the top in one piece. And they said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but let's cast lots for it. And whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. 25, now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister and Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, which is the writer of this book, standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, says, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine. They put it on a hyssop and put it to his mouth. And so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit and died. Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you may believe. 
For these things were done that the scriptures should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. 38. After this, Joseph of Arithmathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus, and Nicodemus, who was at first to come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds worth. Then they took the body of Jesus, and they bound it in strips of linen with the spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury someone. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. Chapter 20, that wasn't the end of the story. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, who's writing the story, and said to him, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple were going to the tomb, and so they both ran together. And the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw And believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And behold, she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Mary, supposing him to be the gardener of the garden, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And then Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him and said, Rabbani, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, 
When the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and he showed them his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I am going to send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. A little bit further. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to them, we have seen the Lord. And he said to them, unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe you. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, and the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord, my God, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me, and yet they believe. Amen? Amen. Many of you this day are here believing that Jesus is not a ghost. Jesus is not a spirit man. Jesus is in the flesh today in heaven. He's the only man in the flesh in heaven. All others of those that are Christians that have believed in his name have gone before. They are in the spirit. They are in the spirit. But they're going and seeing Jesus in the flesh. (laughs) This man is the king. He was at the beginning and he will be at the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He started it all and he will end it all. This man has overcome hell and he's overcome Hades and he's overcome death. And the scripture says, oh, death, where's your sting? Where's your sting? I don't fear death anymore because I'm going to go see Jesus. I don't fear death anymore because I'm going to see the man the son of David, the son of God, the God-man, fully God, fully man. And I will feel his hands, and I will feel his side. And he said, blessed are those who have known me before they have even seen me. You can know the hands and the feet and the side of Jesus before you actually see them. You can know his voice before you actually hear it with audible ears. You can know his spirit. You can know his countenance. You can know who he is before you step face to face with him. There are some that long for that day and there are others that fear it. (laughs) I want you to be on the side that long for the day of Jesus than fear the day of Jesus. 
I want you to long for the day of Jesus versus fearing the day of Jesus because he came as a servant, as a bondservant of Christ. He will come again as a warrior king to annihilate God's enemies. Yes. <laughs> and you can be offended at that or you can understand who he is. He is the son of God who is first loving kindness and merciful. And the son of God came to bring the kingdom of heaven first. And he portrayed it in perfection. So much so that God told him, you are doing great. I am all for you. He said, I am so well pleased with you. He showed him the transfiguration on the mountain before he was crucified to three men, Peter, James, and John. One of those wrote this book. Only three saw who he was going to be in the future. The rest saw him hanging on a cross, wondering, have we missed it? We missed something here. Where's the kingdom of Israel? He said, I didn't come to bring the kingdom of Israel. I didn't come to bring the kingdom of David. I came to bring the kingdom of heaven first for all. And then when he comes back, he's the son of David. And he will bring the kingdom of Israel on the earth. The capital city, Jerusalem. Why? Because it's the city of the king. It's the city of the king. The Jews are longing for the Messiah to sit in the city of the king. But they are so focused on the son of David, they missed the son of God. They're so focused on the son of David, they missed the son of God. But God says, we read last week, I have many that are not just of one flock, the Jews. I have many that are from another flock. And I am the good shepherd of the whole flock, and I have to make a way for the one flock to be mine that hear my voice. And I will lay my life down, we read, and I have the power to take it back up again. The amazing thing is that we have seen the resurrection of the dead in the Bible, right? We have seen the resurrection of the dead. Elijah did it. Elisha did it. The bones of Elisha did it, right? A guy was dead. These guys were carrying him. They got scared because an army was coming and they just threw him into the tomb of Elijah, Elisha. But, and they threw him in there and run. Little did they know there was a guy chasing them and it was the friend that they threw into the tomb. That's what happened. Read it. Another guy's chasing us. Wait, that's our friend. He got raised from the dead on the bones of Elisha. The power of God has always been a resurrecting God. But we have never seen someone raise themselves from the dead. We've never seen someone breathe themselves back to life. We've always seen Peter or Elijah or Elisha lay on them, breathe on them, been thrown on them. Jesus came one step further and he just called out, Lazarus, come forth. Who is this guy? He doesn't even lay on the dead. Is he greater than Elijah? Yes, he is. Something greater is here. Something greater is here. The Jews asked for a sign. What sign did they get? Only the sign of Jonah. And Gentiles, that's us. If you're not a Jew, that's us. We mock all of these stories. Is Jonah a real story? Is Noah a real story? We even read it here with Pilate. As he wrote, the name of Jesus, it was tongue-in-cheek. It was to actually mock these Jews that think they're so profound, that think they're so great. They brought me their king, 
He's mocking the Jewish culture. He's mocking the Jewish faith. And he knows it. He did it on purpose. And the Gentiles do it for this day. There are scenes upon scenes of a, of a crucifixion. There are scenes upon scenes of a crucifixion being mocked. The Gentiles don't understand the profoundness of the depth of the Jewish faith and they mock it. And then there's these Christians that say they have found the one, the Messiah, and those that it's foolishness. Why would you kill the best man on, that's ever come to the earth? Why would you crucify him? And you mock it, just like Pilate did that day. And the, the power of the gospel of the cross is when you realize that Jesus did die for all. But the power of it is when you realize that Jesus died for you. And that your sins put him on the cross. That's when this story becomes real. That's when this story becomes powerful. And that's when the emblem of the cross becomes true. And not just another image. And not just another sign. And not just a sign of Christianity. But of what someone did for me. It's a very strange thing when you think about it. We don't go around putting up hangman's nooses on our necks. We don't go around putting execution chairs on our flags. We don't go around putting tormenting images in front of us. But yet as Christians, that is the norm to put the cross. And there is a glory in the cross it is a gospel of the cross, but it's more profound when you realize that that cross, that, that cross is what I have done to the very best man that ever walked the earth. I put him on it. <laughs> what? Yes. Yes, you did. And we can desensitize ourselves from what we're actually looking at. The, one of the worst ways that men have found to kill other men was a cross. It was slow, and it was to send a message for an empire to maintain peace. And they put on it the king of peace. One day. <laughs> it was to send a harsh message that even if you steal or rob someone, you can end up here. Do not steal or rob someone. How do we know this? Jesus hung by robbers. <laughs> Jesus hung by robbers. One of them knew that Jesus had done nothing wrong. And Jesus said, indeed, you will be with me in paradise today. It is interesting to see that that robber recognized that Jesus was on the cross for him. He's hanging on a cross but he recognizes that the payment for his sin is standing next to him. <laughs> you have to have that same reality. And I believe in that moment, that robber could feel peace and no more pain. Because the man next to him was taking away the pain of his sin. 
That is what these signs that will follow you. That is what true peace is. That's what the king of peace brings. When you recognize the power of the cross for you. How do I know this? Go to Acts 2. And go to Acts 2, 36. This is Peter preaching after the baptism of the Holy Spirit has inflamed and encompassed his his spirit man. He's been empowered. He's been plugged in to the Holy Ghost. He is now the dwelling place of God. He has made, God has made them the temple of the Holy Spirit to bring in all of the flock of the Jews, but yet all the flock of the world as well. Even to us who have never seen Jesus yet, we believe he is alive in the flesh today. But it started here, 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, Master and Savior, both the, the one who has the authority and the one who serves the Lord and Christ. 37, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? The power of the simplicity of this gospel is when you see that you crucified Jesus and you're cut to the heart and you go, what do I do? And then the good news of Easter comes in. Because you did, your sin separated yourself from God forever. And the debt that had to be paid for your separatedness was that Jesus, the Son of God, had to pay with his own blood the price of death. It was the purest blood. He took it not only on the earth, but he took his blood and put it on the altar in heaven. That those that might believe in him, that altar is cleansed of death. There is no death that can, that, can, that can seep in to heaven anymore or into hell or, or even into the earth. Like death has lost its keys. Death is puffed up. Hades is puffed up. There's still fear for those who are perishing, yes, but when you pull back the veil, you realize they have no keys. It's in heaven with one, a man who's holding it. Okay, what am I saying? When you understand this, then you realize what he died for is to come. On Sunday, today, there's a power for you to overcome your iniquity, to overcome your bondage, to overcome your infirmities, to overcome your fears, to overcome your violence, to overcome your haughtiness, to overcome your pride, and that that's what killed him, but that's not where you have to stay. Well, how do I do this? He says, go with me into the grave. (laughs) He says, go with me into the grave and I will raise you up. The Jews mocked him. He said, how can you raise up the temple in three days? He says, I will tear down this temple and I will raise it up in three days. He said, show us a sign. He said, you will get no sign but the sign of the son of Jonah. Jonah, 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 
Go to Jonah. 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 And you go, oh, Jonah. I don't know about Jonah. Is Jonah a metaphor? No. Jonah, verse 17 of chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1 verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The Lord had also prepared a giant power to swallow his son. A giant power to swallow him. Something that no one had ever been able to defeat. Death itself swallowed the Son of God, and the devil was rejoicing. Satan said, we did it. We did it. We have swallowed him. (laughs) We have put him in the bondage. We have put him in the bars. We have put him in the jail cell that no one has ever gotten out. And read the prayer of Jonah, the sign of of Jonah. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me. He is speaking this in his spirit man. When you die, you can still speak in your spirit man. How do we know this? Jesus gave a parable about two men who died, a poor man and a rich man. And the poor man went into the bosom of, Laz- or the bosom of Abraham. The poor man's name was Lazarus. And Abraham is talking to him. And Lazarus, the poor man, is talking to Abraham. His spirit man is talking. The rich man is in Hades and in, in hell, sees Lazarus and is talking to him. This is what's happening here with Jonah. The spirit man is talking. Spirit man is talking, but it's Jesus, the sign of Jonah. Yes? Chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. We've already read 2. Let's read 2 again. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Think of Jesus. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and your billows and your waves passed over me. And then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, We know this verse. He said it on the cross. Why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Why have I been cast out of your sight, Father? Keep going. Then, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The water surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapping around my head. He's dying. He's drowning. He's dead. I went to the moorings of the mountains, and the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. The bars of death. Yet you have brought my life from the pit, O Lord my God. And when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. And those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, that I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving, and I will pay what I have vowed. What is it? Salvation is of the Lord. When he rose from the dead, salvation is mine. And he has given this gift to men. Salvation is of the Lord. Go back to Acts 2. (laughs) Amen? Salvation is of the Lord this day. 
because he has been raised from the dead. He is the sign of Jonah. Three days after he was in the grave, it says that the, the earth spit him out. The earth spit him out. Just like a prophet once, after God raised him from the dead and called him out, he spit him out. Spit him out. He is the sign of Jonah in the flesh. A prophet that will run to a city to save them. He is the prophet that has run to this city to save us. This is the day of our salvation, and this is what we are speaking forth, that Jesus has come to give us a better covenant. He has given us a testimony. He's given us a testament. That's his will. You cannot get a will unless someone has died. Jesus has died, but because he was rose from the dead, he can actually hand out his gifts to all of us. Our inheritance, he can give to us. Instead of it going to someone else, he's the one that, no, I'm going to be the testator of my own will. <laughs> what? Yeah. And he says, you're not only just going to be forgiven of sin, I'm going to heal your actual body. He says, you're not only going to be healed on your body, you're going to be set free in the bondage of your mind. You're going to be healed of wounds and trauma from your childhood to your adulthood. He says, I'm going to give you peace. He says, I'm going to deliver you. He says, I'm going to give you life and life abundantly. I'm going to give you mothers and fathers and children and daughters. That's what he says. You won't just have a physical family. You'll have a spiritual family. You will be given gifts and gifts and gifts. You will be, have your eyes enlightened to see the glorious riches of the inheritance that I have for my saints who have believed in me. Like these apostles that ran to the tomb and they said, I believe. And blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. Yeah? Acts 2. Are you there? Acts 2. We were in 36. Read it now through. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both the Lord and Christ. And now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And that's when you make Jesus Lord. You have to be cut to the heart. You have to realize that I did this. Because I sinned, Jesus did this. Because I hurt God. Because I lied. Because I'm so prideful. Because I'm so haughty. Because I hurt my wife. Because I lied to my parents. Because I stole. Because I murdered. Because I committed adultery. He died. He did this for me. I'm the reason that Jesus did this. And you're cut to the heart. And what does he say? Now when they heard this, they were cut to the house. And Peter said, and they said to Peter and the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent. Change the way you're thinking. Renounce it. Receive forgiveness of your sins. That's repentance. And that every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. He says, go to the grave with me. When you are baptized, he says, go in the tomb with me. Go in there with me. Trust me. Go in there with me. When you're baptized, you're saying, I'm going in. I'm going in. And when I come out, I'm never going back. <laughs> I am never willingly going to choose to do something to crucify Jesus. I might 
and I know he'll forgive me, but it's my goal and it's my destiny, it's my call to walk righteously and purely before him, not because I've earned it, because of his blood. I'm choosing to say no more. I'm going in the grave and I'll come out with him. You've seen your burial ground when you've been baptized. You've seen your tomb. You've already seen it. Glory be to God. Yes? For you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 39. For the promise is to you and your children and to those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. As a Western society of Christianity, we can often become desensitized to the brutality of the cross. As a Western society of Christianity is our roots, we can often become desensitized to the brutality of the cross. When you see it all the time, or you've grown up in it all the time, you don't understand that you have committed the reason why that God-man was tortured. And when you understand what he did for you, then the emblem of the cross has a very deep and rich meaning that it always should have had. And yet, even if we don't understand the, the brutality of the cross all the time, we sometimes don't fully understand the magnitude of the power of Jesus' resurrection. We can fall short in knowing the brutality of the cross, but yet also fall short in knowing the magnitude of what it means for him to be raised from the dead. And he is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whose resurrection power is filling your mortal body. That. Do you know what that means? It's impossible. How? He's like, well, I have to give you Holy Spirit. (laughs) He's got to show you because it's amazing that your eyes of your heart might be enlightened to know the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints for those who believe unto Christ Jesus as Lord and Master. That's what he's here for. Let's end here at Ephesians 2. (laughs) The magnitude of this day, (laughs) you, you 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 cannot explain what Jesus did today. We try, but it's, it's such a powerful thing that it will be unveiled for ages and ages to come. If you understand what I just said, that means that we're just in one age now. Yeah. It's to be revealed in an age and then ages to come yes. of what he did on a Sunday like this, yep. 2,000 years ago. The power of the magnitude of what Jesus did on Easter Sunday We have yet to unveil, but yet we are going to walk in. You're in Ephesians. Let me read this in Romans 6. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness of sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. And here is our ending conclusion, yes? But God, who is rich in mercy... 
because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in the water, even when we were dead in our sin, he made us alive together with Christ because by grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together. That's the baptism. And you are raised up together. And he has made us sit together in the heavenly places of Christ, in Christ Jesus. That in ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared for you that you should walk in them. Amen? Amen? God has a destiny for you that you should walk in them. There, you don't have to walk the way that you've been walking. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Master, he has a whole nother plan for you. <laughs> a whole nother plan for you. It's not by anything that you've done. It's just because he loves you. Amen. Yeah, because he loves you. Yes. Because he loves you. And that's it. Yes. That's the only reason. Amen. That's the only reason he went to the cross. And that's the only reason why he rose himself from the dead. Amen? Let's stand and we'll thank God for it. And if you need prayer, we'll be up here. And we bless you. So Holy Spirit, you have raised Christ from the dead. You are all powerful, Holy Spirit. And you have been unleashed through the blood of Jesus on sons and daughters, on men servants and maid servants to be empowered to know for ages to come the glory and richness of the grace of Jesus. And we honor that today. And we say, yes, Lord, I believe that you are in heaven in the flesh today. And I will be like you because he who has this hope purifies himself that when I see you, I will be like you in the flesh. And this flesh won't be a hindrance anymore because you will purify me and you will cleanse me and you have already done it by the blood of Jesus. And I receive the New Testament. I receive the new testimony and the covenant of what your blood has done. And we give you glory and I give you honor and I give you praise and I exalt you, Jesus. Be lifted up here in this place and we will be running to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This message was brought to you by the Garden Gathering Church, a family of spirit-filled believers in San Angelo, Texas. We long to encounter God's presence and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.thegardenstc.org to realize how the revelation of Jesus Christ can fulfill your mandate in the kingdom of heaven.